Curtin Cade Mornings, not just on the radio. It's a podcast, too. We've all seen these statistics that have been touted in news stories in the Christian media for quite some time. Uh, we have kids who grew up in the church, very active in the youth group, and yet when they graduate from high school and they go to college, they walk away from the faith and they put further distance between themselves and their faith as they go into their 20s, and some of them have yet to return. So what's going on in youth ministry that is not necessarily encouraging this, but allowing it to happen. Yes. So Jen Bradbury, she visited with us and explained just how important youth group can be and how to make the changes that need to be made so that the kids will stick with the faith. Hey, Jen. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me. You betcha. Wow, this is such a great topic. Uh, She serves as the content director for Fuller Youth Institute, and she's a volunteer youth pastor at her local church, and she's written a number of books as well. Well, where do we begin? There's, oh man, every time time I'm uh, scanning the Christian news, not every time, but a lot of the time I'll see a new study that says, oh, guess what? We've lost our kids. They're leaving the church. They go off to college into their 20s, and most of them don't come back to the faith they once professed. And it's not just the lukewarm kids in the youth group. It's the ones that were on fire for Jesus. Where do we begin? What, what is going on here? Yeah, there's a lot going on there. And there's also a lot of church hurt out there. Uh, And that's not surprising because we hear about it everywhere, just like you were saying. We hear statistics like one million young people are leaving the church each year. And every time FYI looks into these, uh, we see that evidence of that. We hear those stories. But in our new research, we actually surveyed and interviewed youth ministry leaders from all across the country, and then we went and visited churches in person. And what really surprised us were the intentional ways that churches are actually faithfully going about youth discipleship, which is discipleship that is slow and patient. And as you alluded to, it's resilient in the face of a changing world. And so that's where we began to really talk about this kind of discipleship as faith beyond youth group which we unpack in the book as Jesus-centered character that matters every day. And that goes back to what you were just saying, that young people actually want a faith that demonstrates not only that Christianity is true, but also that Christianity is good. And that's where this development of Christ-like, Christ-centered character comes in. Mm-hmm. Well, this is good. You know, a lot of times when we look at the staff of a local church and we see youth pastor, hmm, we're like, okay, well, he's the guy that wants to be a senior pastor and he's just starting as a youth (laughs) pastor. And uh, is that a stereotype? (laughs) It is a stereotype, but the thing about stereotypes is that they tend to be based on a little bit of truth. And so for a long time, um, particularly in the 90s and early 2000s, I would say that most people, or at least many people in youth ministry, that it was sort of the pathway to being a senior pastor. Since the early 2000s, 
I think there's been a professionalism that has happened within youth ministry itself, that we are seeing more and more youth pastors who describe themselves as long-term or as lifers, that they feel that there is a unique calling to their life that centers around discipling young people, whether that's middle schoolers or high schoolers or young adults, uh, and that that in and of itself is a means to an end. The problem, though, is that a lot of church structures haven't actually caught up with that. And so a lot of churches are still trying to pay youth pastors as though they are a stepping stone to somewhere else and not actually an end to itself. So there needs to be a little bit of alignment there so that we can get the people who really see youth ministry as a calling into those roles and stay there so that they can be focused on forming Christ-like character and, again, on lifelong discipleship. The power of staying. Um, okay, The power so of staying, it's, yep. it's just great to think about. Well, okay, let's talk about this issue of burnout. And mm-hmm. uh, that can happen to any one of us, no matter what our job is, so to speak, but uh, for pastors and then and then youth pastors, uh, well, I, I would tend to say that for youth pastors, there is that unique challenge of, well, you know, you're dealing with teenagers, et cetera, and it's, it, can, it can be trying. Even if you're called to it, it takes a lot of energy, and, and of course, we're coming out of the pandemic, and yeah. what happened with youth ministry and youth groups, uh, and we've talked about the local church in general, but maybe we can get specific. What happened with the youth group ministries, uh, just kind of a, a broad view? of this during the pandemic? Uh, Does it mirror what happened in the local church at large? Yes, it definitely mirrors it. So a few things that I would call out in regard to that then. So during the pandemic, uh, youth workers, regardless of what part of the country they lived in, were doing the same thing that senior and associate pastors were doing, which is they were constantly forced to pivot. So they'd plan a program one week, and next week there would be you know new rules, new obligations that they had to follow, and so they'd have to change. Or they'd plan a program one week, and it would work, and the next week no one would come. So that pivoting is really exhausting when you're used to models that have typically worked in the sense that they have drawn kids to them. So what we've seen as a result of this is that as we are out and we're talking and we're interacting with youth leaders all across the country, we are hearing refrains like, I'm so tired. I've never been this tired before. All my normal tricks aren't working. None of my kids are coming anymore. No one cares about what I'm doing. And where this has led is that our friends at the Youth Cartel, which is a youth ministry resource organization, they have conducted a youth leader well-being survey over the last couple of years. And what they found is that over 30% of youth leaders actually have felt like leaving ministry in the last year. Mm -hmm. And so that doesn't bode well at all when we talk about long-term discipleship and faith that lasts beyond youth group. So what we've seen is that as we are talking, as we're interacting with people, our Faith Beyond Youth Group Compass, which is this five-pronged compass that comes from research that talks about the importance of cultivating trust, modeling growth, teaching for transformation, practicing together, and making meaning, it is actually really helping struggling leaders because it's giving them 
a compass, a navigational tool that is helping them uh, to point towards a better, more fruitful direction. So it's not a checklist. It's not just a linear process, but it really is a way of orienting ourselves in the right direction to reach a destination. And again, that destination being this idea of faith beyond youth group. Thank you for taking some time to listen to this episode of the Curtain Cape Mornings podcast. We always welcome a review with your thoughts and comments, and please feel free to subscribe and follow us as well. What can we do when it comes to youth ministry to try to head this trend off at the pass? And that's what we're talking about here this morning with Jen Bradbury. The name of the book is Faith Beyond Youth Group. Yeah, and just how important youth group can be. Um, I was listening to an interview with Dave Grohl, who is a secular musician, a drummer. He was with a, a bunch of bands. Anyway, he's considered a very, you know, special, talented musician. He was talking about his mom. His mom was a teacher, and she wrote a book. And the book is uh, From Cradle to Stage, and she interviewed musicians uh, parents to find out why they became they went on to become these great musicians and and uh, she found as a teacher that between ten and thirteen years old if you introduce something into their lives and the kids catch on to it it because they're forming it forms as part of them and sticks with them for life so I think that you know what we teach them at that age and get them excited about and let them just dive into full force is going to stay with them for life. Yeah, absolutely. You said a couple things there that I thought were so important. Um, so that element of what we teach them in the book, Faith Beyond Youth Group, um, what we did is we did all this research through which we developed this five-point compass. And one of the points on the compass is this element of teach for transformation. And essentially what we are doing is that we are recognizing that character is caught before it's taught, Mm -hmm. which is exactly what you were just saying. And yet it also (laughs) requires careful teaching But the problem is the teaching that we have historically done in youth ministries has been sort of this one-way transmission of information. And what we saw, particularly in the churches that we went and visited, is that character is actually best caught and taught when teaching becomes interactive, when there's this element of dialogue, when there is space for young people to bring their doubts and their questions to the table and actually wrestle with them. And we see this in Jesus throughout the four Gospels in the New Testament, too, that Jesus' approach to teaching is often to tell stories and to ask questions. And we want and need youth leaders to do the same. And the beauty of that approach is that it works in any tradition. It works in any size youth ministry. You could have five kids, you could have 500 kids, and you can still teach using stories and questions that will really help cultivate these principles and these ideas and these character virtues that we want to see in young people. One church that we know actually heard us say this at a training earlier this year, and the leaders at the church then went home and they completely overhauled their junior high ministry 
so that it is now based on conversation rather than lecture. And what has happened is that there has been better engagement in the room itself during their junior high ministry. But there's also been better engagement and deeper conversations as young people have gone home because the conversation didn't actually end in church. Instead, it continued as they left the walls of the church and went to their families and their friends and their schools and all these places where they are living out their real lives on a daily basis. That's great. So how do we instill a love for... God's Word in the hearts of our kids, you know, and that that is something that uh, we want to cultivate, obviously. Um, and, and yet there are some kids who are like, well, I'm just not readers, I'm not interested. And then, of course, all right, here we go, We're going to be talking about the fact that our kids are a screen generation and their attention spans are teeny tiny. I know sometimes that can be an excuse. I get that. But um, how do we make sure that we are holding fast, holding closely to the Word of God as we develop these character traits, as we address these cultural issues in a way that makes the Bible what it really is, which is compelling. Although I will say we can make it dry as dust sometimes, and that's <laughs> that's on us, isn't it? It for sure is on us. Yes, we don't want to bore young people with the gospel, Um, And we don't want to make it something that it's not. As you said, Scripture by itself is compelling. There is value there. And so what we saw again and again in the churches that we visited and in the stories that we heard from youth leaders and young people themselves is that the key to cultivating a love of Scripture is to put Scripture in front of young people. And I know that sounds so basic, but concepts like making sure that you're opening the Bible every time that you are together in youth ministry, that you are reading it together, that you are exploring it. So it's not just a matter of opening it and saying, this is what it means. But again, going back to the idea that Jesus told stories and asked questions. So making space for young people to bring their questions about God's Word to the table, because they have them. And the more you read Scripture together, the more questions young people have about what they're reading. So let it be a space where you are dialoguing about that together, where you're providing them with guidance and with tools and with the ability to understand what they're reading in Scripture, and of course, apply it to their lives, because part of character formation is, going back to this compass idea, is this element of practicing together, that Scripture is so important in and of itself, but it's also important when it's guiding how we live, and that's the part of practicing together, where it comes into play that it's not just about what we're saying between the walls of the church, it's about how we're living outside of it. And so when we go out and we say, you know, this week, we have been talking about whatever the case may be, right? Like, we've been talking about bullying, we've been talking about friendships, we've been talking about justice, whatever it is for you. 
now how are we going to go out and live this week? One of the churches that we visited, um, we thought the pastor was doing this so well. And all she did is at the end of every Wednesday night youth group, she gave her young people a challenge. And she would call it that. She would say, here's your challenge for the week. And based on what they had explored in the Bible that week, she would lay out, I want you to go out and do this during the week. And we saw a lot of churches actually do that. But what made this one really noteworthy and exceptional was that the following week, this pastor would actually come back to the students in her ministry and say, last week, you said that you were going to go out and you were going to help your neighbor. Last week, you said that you were going to go out and clean up your language. Did you actually do that? How did that go for you this week? And not in a way that shamed them, but rather in a way that held them accountable and again, gave them this lens to think through, okay, this is what scripture, this is what the Bible is saying to me. Now, what does it mean for how I'm going out and living in my daily life? This is great. What about the moral failures and scandals in the church and the kids are pointing? It's not just the kids. We know that. It's, uh, it's all of us in the local church are very saddened and can be sometimes discouraged by this. We have, whether it be a senior pastor, somebody in ministry has a failure, and then everybody points at him and says, see, look at that. The church is a bunch of hypocrites. Um, how do we, and, the, and kids are hypersensitive to this type of stuff because they haven't uh, had a chance to really grow in their faith and have the, the roots grow deeply to where we could say, well, you need to look at God and not at other people because we're all sinners in need of a Savior. But how do we communicate that to our kids who, um, I don't know, I mean, they're not quite there yet, and they use that as an excuse to say, yep. Uh, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm, you know, this isn't working and it's obvious it's not working. How do we address this? <laughs> yeah, it's such a good and important question. And so a couple ways that this has come up really recently for us in the ministries that we serve, as well as, again, with the youth leaders that we talk to, is that whenever, I mean, literally, whenever there is a headline in the newspapers these days, almost always you don't have to search very far to see an example of a moral failure, right? Um, another big one that has happened this fall has been uh, the Hillsong documentary that has premiered mm -hmm. on Hulu. Yep. And so, you know, our young people are seeing those things, and if we are not bringing them up, the young people in our ministries are asking us about them. And so we want to acknowledge and we want to admit and we want to almost confess, if you will, that yes, these character failures are real and they are happening and that God's call is to love God and love our neighbors and that Christians at large are not doing that super well right now and that we can be better. Um, what ends up happening is that every time young people see these stories and they go not, and we, the church, do not acknowledge them, it further erodes the already low trust that young people have towards the church. So going back to what you said before, it really does feed into that appearance of hypocrisy. So as a response, we want to cultivate the kind of environment where church is actually the first place that students think about when they run into these stories of failures. And what we mean by that is we want teenagers to think, I don't exactly know what's behind this. I don't get it. I don't like it. But I know that I can talk about this 
at my church. And so to, again, yes. pull from the Faith Beyond Youth Group Compass, one of the best ways to do that is to have open-ended qu- conversations, to ask questions like, why do you think people are talking about this? What does this situation mean from us? What can we learn from it? What do you wish that the people involved in this story would have done to live out their faith? And how does our faith compel us to respond to the situation and to live differently in our own lives? Well. Wow. This is good. Faith Beyond Youth Group is the name of the book, Five Ways to Form Character and Cultivate Lifelong Discipleship. A lot of research, a lot of thought has gone into this, and Jen and her co-authors have uh, have done the church a great service by writing it. Jen, thanks for being with us. This was eye-opening and uh, actually very encouraging. We appreciate you very much. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Curtin Kate Mornings Podcast. Please take a minute to follow, subscribe, and review us. And no matter where in the world you are, you can listen to us live from 6 to 9 a.m. weekdays on the Moody Radio app.